And I actually think that it's really great because if you're coming out of religion, mm-hmm. especially if you're coming out of purity culture, and I have a friend that I feel like falls in this category, you have this unrealistic expectation of your partner and your marriage that you're fed. Yep. And if it doesn't meet that, there's something wrong with you. There are over 4,000 recognized religions in the world. Which one are you leaving? Why are you deconverting? Welcome to the Deconversion Podcast, where we explore the experiences and challenges of deconverting from religious faith. We are here to discuss and explore this topic and help you on your journey to living an authentic life. Three, two, one. We got ourselves a very special episode today because we have the ladies with us. Tim, would you like to introduce our guests? Our guests today are my lovely wife, Leah Thomason, once again. And today, our real special guest is Miss Francie Now Taylor. Francie Taylor, Isaac's wife and our editor for this podcast as well. We are all on vacation in Montana here at your parents' house in the mountains. And we just got you guys buried. Hitched. Heck yeah, you did. So in the it forest. was magical. I married them, and my wife took pictures. And uh, yeah, so we've all the festivities have petered off a little bit. Everybody's gone home. I'm sad. Yes, you're. I'm, you were. You were sad. The marriage blues right now. Because <laughs> all the fun stuff, all the group activity is over with. Yeah, it was a beautiful wedding, though. It was, it was a lot awesome. of fun. And on on that note, today is the literally the first day we've we usually release podcasts on Wednesday, and we didn't have one this week because Leah and I had been down and out sick before we came up here to see you guys. Yeah, and then it got COVID. Yeah, and then we just got over that in time to get up here and do all this with you guys. So we're a little bit behind, but we got done. We've been sitting around this morning, and we were like, let's do a podcast about. Marriage and non-belief. Because Leah and I were talking about this morning and we're like, we have had a non-religious marriage. Even though you identified as a Christian when we got married, we have never gone to church together. We've never prayed together. We've All the traditional things people associate with it, we've never done. We thought that would be a fun subject for this morning with just the four of us. I guess my first question to y'all is, how are y'all still married without Heavenly Father at the centerfold of your marriage? What do you think, babe? How has this happened? We're too stubborn to get into the water. <laughs> We're, too We're tenacious. We want to prove everybody like that gave us shit to get getting married because I got letters and phone calls and I had really hard conversations with people that I loved and trusted and everybody was like, it's not going to last. And I was like... We're at eight years, fuckers. Eight years. <laughs> eight years. Yeah. That's pretty So that's I pretty think we're exciting. just we're just too tenacious so, to give up. Well, let me let me this is good because we've talked about this quite a bit on the podcast. So Leah, when you and Tim were getting serious, and something that's special if the listener doesn't know is I married y'all. Yes. And then you did. and then Tim married married us. Were you at any time of your courtship with Tim? Were you, did you think that him being atheist was just going to be too much to overcome? Did you have any hesitations about y'all getting married? Personally, I didn't feel like I had hesitations. Everything that I went through as far as having 
any kind of second thoughts or feeling unsure was really from external sources. I had a mentor that I loved dearly. I lived with them, watched their children be born essentially. And I got a list of seven bullet points of how Tim would ruin my life. We actually just found it in a conversation not too long ago and relived that trauma real quick. (laughs) So the external things that I received from people questioning something that I felt like I was always so sure of was my relationship with Tim. That's where any kind of hesitancy or questioning came from. And Tim and I would talk through it. We would pick it apart and find what worked for us in those conversations and reground our relationships between the two of us and put more walls around our relationship so other people didn't have that kind of influence as heavily. Sure. Yeah, and I remember watching some of it happen. We had this weird dichotomy because how my family reacted to our relationship and how your family reacted to it. And not all of your family members had a negative reaction. But my family all saw you and were like, Oh man, she's a nice Christian girl. It'll bring Tim around eventually. It's this just kind like of savior to your soul in ways. And we stopped that. Yeah, we stopped that pretty quick because, and then her family had a lot of hesitations and worries because of my non belief and my outspokenness about it and that kind of thing. So it created this really weird dichotomy. And it was interesting because you got most of the flack. I did not. And I was really worried you would leave me way before we even got married. Once we got married, I wasn't concerned. I really, really wasn't. I was like, if we got just got through all of that, I had a lot of confidence that we would be able to navigate things. And we've had our challenges, but we've lived our whole marriage by this. The chief thing hasn't been like prayer or relationship with God or going to church. It's been clear communication, honesty, being upfront, openness, working through things with each other, honestly. And that has been just fine and haven't had that problem. So, When Leah was getting a lot of those letters and those messages and, and you guys were navigating it, did that stress add to any other sh- like areas of life where it's like, hey, we can manage this stress easily, mm-hmm. but our cup was already full? Because we had so much extra stress during that time frame. I think it compounded on top of wedding planning. I think if we had received some of that stuff and we'd been dating for two or three years first or whatever, I don't think it would have been as big of a deal. But because we were also planning a wedding, that was like the stressor because I'm getting all of this and people I'm, I'm pretty sure are expecting me to call off a wedding And at that point, I'm like, I'm engaged. I'm getting married, y'all. I'm like, I'm committed to this. And I think they were all very much trying to encourage me to call off an entire wedding and engagement. And when I got there, because so my truck had gotten caught in a flood. (laughs) (laughs) So So this is wedding day. Wedding day. yeah. So, So yeah, it happened the night before. So I was on a Greyhound bus 
And <laughs> that left at three in the morning, which from Houston to Kerrville. Yeah, from Houston to Kerrville because there's a Greyhound station in Kerrville, and then had someone like give me a ride. I had to pay them way to like to get me there. And then it was funny. I paid basically, for lack of better words, a crackhead to drive me to the Greyhound station. <laughs> so, oh my goodness! I remember you got you there. Know, you were sweating bullets. I was like, yeah. So, meanwhile, so, I had no idea any of this was. Yeah, happening. we didn't find out about this until after we were married. For <laughs> She's over here. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, and I was just going to rent a car, but then I don't. I think at that time. Maybe I wasn't old enough. Like, you had mm-hmm. to be 25. Rules were a little more strict. It was just such a nightmare. And then when I got there, there was issues with the band. Yes. But, yeah. You so, were helping me navigate that. So I, was, so I was trying to help Tim with that. And then the food people started setting up. And just because of me being an industry that I'm in, I could tell that, whoa, you're going to create, like, a lot of bottlenecks. Like, they – because they had, like, silverware in the middle. So I was, like, coordinating – the food and beverage a little mm-hmm. bit like are yeah, always trying to help them and meanwhile we had asked isaac to marry us because we weren't going to church we did not have a minister that we cared about isaac had been our close friend through our entire relationship and for me even longer and we were just like we really wanted him to preside over it but man some of my family members were like who's this guy well, yeah and that's, what I, <laughs> that's what i was getting to was the number of people that asked me about my religious beliefs at the wedding. Yeah. Because they wanted to know. Because at that time, I mean, I was still a hippie Christian. I, mm-hmm. I would say it's maybe yeah. more of where I lean, which I think helped. <laughs> From what I understand, the, you played the Christian card when it was helpful in the conversation. Yes, I was like with my aunt. Uh, unapologetically a whatever you wanted me to be. <laughs> and I did that. I did that for two reasons. One... Because trying to navigate that conversation about where I was at. Because I didn't, I, I felt uncomfortable because I didn't want to be like, oh, Tim's a heathen and, you know, Lee and I will come together to save him. That was like the tone. Yeah. And then the other thing was that I didn't, it was almost, there were a few conversations and I don't remember who they were by any means of the imagination. But I remember people asking prying questions, trying to get a, pulse of tim's character i'm pretty sure this extended family that isaac's talking about like my parents had come down to visit it it wasn't your parents yeah it wasn't my parents or my siblings it was like extended family okay that like to but then at that point they should be trusting you and your judgment yeah there was a few people yeah yeah and then your uncle was there my uncle david both Both. my uncles were there yeah okay because i remember there was only two people where they were like, I'm glad Tim could find someone that wasn't religious. And I was like, yeah, that, yeah, all that junk. So it was, <laughs> but then if someone came up to me and I can tell, I'd be like, oh, it's just, it's such a blessing that today's <laughs> happening. There's just divine appointments everywhere around me. <laughs> what was interesting was I was cut off guard that I was going to be, for right. lack of better words, vetted. Yes. <laughs> by, by the people that so, were there. Tim, did you get vetted? <sighs> to yeah, a certain I was just extent, ask yeah. Her dad. Did you get vetted here by? Did you have the same experience? Oh, you're talking about with y'all's wedding, like yeah. over the weekend. Like, did here? you have the same? Okay, experience? all right. Yes, I really? feel like I did have a few people that. Um, while I was mostly because ha- they love Francie. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah absolutely. <laughs> and that's not abnormal. You've got yeah. you, you've got 
people here that know you a whole lot better than they know Isaac. And so it would make sense. They would come over and be like, oh, this is one of Isaac's oldest friends. And he's known him for 13 years. What's his take? And it wasn't any, there weren't any like questions that were like real heavy or this. And they're like, you've known him for this long. And I was like, yeah, and he's a great guy. I was like, he's been through the ringer. He had a rough younger life and didn't have the best home life. And he, I'm really happy to see him like getting into y'all's family and stuff. It was really nice. But I feel like at our wedding, he got, so we both now have this reverse. And he went through a flood and had to take a Greyhound bus. I got COVID and had to fly halfway across the country as soon as I recovered <laughs> yeah. to, to get up here to get you guys married. So it just seems. Yeah. Um, Maybe God didn't want uh, us to get the married. The universe like balanced out. <laughs> the universe balanced out. But yeah, yeah but we, what we were going to, you know. But nothing, but you weren't asking any religious questions like, what no, are your religious beliefs? No, not over this weekend. But we felt like what's so interesting and what we reflected over this weekend is that you guys are just starting this journey out together. That being said, you've been together for how long now? You've been, what, four, four or five years? We'll be four years in February. We'll be okay, so you're just years. married now. So the paperwork's done finally. Our relationship's been very serious. We've lived together for. Almost three, yeah, three years now. Three well, and a half I just years think now. it's interesting to reflect that so many people make God a big part of the relationship. Pray together, go to church together, do make decisions prayerfully, like over stuff, and people put a whole lot of stock in that being like the way to run a relationship, and the and that's the only way that it'll work. That's the only way you're going to get over and get through hard times. And I can guarantee you. And that there were people at Lena and I's wedding that were like, they're never going to last. And here we are eight years down the road without doing any of those things that they expect. When we were early on and you were still really identifying as Christian, you, I told you that if you wanted to go to church or you wanted to do something like that, you were welcome to. I just wasn't going to participate. But you never went back. You were like, we ended up doing different things together. We had our atheist breakfast on Sunday some of the time, and that was fun. But I just think it's telling, and we want you guys to be encouraged. It's You don't need that stuff in order to be successful. What was, if y'all don't mind sharing, what were some of the zingers, like some of the statements that were made about y'all and your marriage and those letters and things of that nature? I have two favorites. One being that our children would go to hell. Crazy. That's like, a, yeah, that statement, statement is so crazy, right? Yeah. yeah. That any children we have would inevitably go to hell. And then the other one was once we got married, he would, Tim would start beating me. Mm-hmm. And it would become an abusive relationship because there's, we don't have God at the center of mm-hmm. it. Was there any part of you that was like, maybe this person's right? This person's been No, I, not on that one. That one was from an aunt and it was like, just like batshit crazy on that front. So that never concerned me. I just felt like it was so rude and insensitive and just like projecting on her part and ex- her experience in something versus trusting that I'd obviously not marry an abuser. <laughs> yeah. and, and one of the other things you and I talked about at the time was there was also this disconnect. And it's something that we we talk about being in the radical middle and that we want to get people to think about things differently is that so much of it was also done from a place of stereotyping because they had heard one thing about me or they'd gone and look at, looked at my Facebook. And none of them 
and she knew this really well, none of them had taken any time to get to know me, talk to me, spend time around me, or do anything where you really get to understand someone's character. All of the heat about this stuff came like in a form of projection from other people that, that were assuming because they heard one word about me being atheist, that all these other things would be inevitable. Our goal in this podcast, and Doug had a good suggestion when we were talking the other day about how do you create your the principles that you live your life by or your own Ten Commandments or your vows and what how do you navigate doing those type of things without religion as the forefront? And so I'd like to get in that. But before we do, let's talk about for a second, because if I, I if I stop and think and try to brainstorm, I feel like the religious culture creates an environment where a lot of people get married for the wrong reason. Yeah. And I think that would be good to talk about. One of those being that you can't have sex until you get married. Religious cultures that are really strict on that. I, I feel like young couples are just getting married at such a young age because they so badly want that. So they don't life. want to feel yeah. about bad about expressing their sexuality. And then I, so I think that's a big zinger. Another one, too, is if there was anything sexual. I know one of the fastest things, one of the biggest things is if you get pregnant and your oh. family's a part of the church, let's get you married as quickly as possible. What, you know, one of like, the worst reasons to get married. Yeah, you like you have to get married. I don't know. What else? Well, There's a, a lot of that. Right? I had a, uh, kind of piggybacking off of all of those questions. What I wanted to know was like, you guys started dating. You're obviously an atheist. You're still not, I don't know if you're practicing, but you're still it's definitely practicing. Uh, practicing Christian. So, what was it that made you feel like it was okay to experience a little bit more intimacy before tying the knot? Was it because Tim made you feel comfortable and that it was okay? Because I can imagine people might be Christian and might be really trying to follow the rules, but they're really scared. Like They're like, what if my husband doesn't know what he's doing? Or what if it's bad? Or what if... We just don't, the chemistry is not right. And then they have to trust God, but maybe that's not a good enough reason. Yeah. I know that just to, not to cut you off or anything, but when we first started dating and we were, we spent quite a bit of time dating before we started doing anything intimate, touchy feely, ki kissing, any of this stuff, because that was like an unknown for Leah and it was very nerve wracking. And I remember one time while we were hanging out, because we, we moved to the cuddling phase pretty quick. Cuddling was pretty awesome. And we really hadn't reached any like lots of kissing or making out or fooling around or any of that stuff. But I remember us having a conversation where I said something to the atone of, it's okay. I want you to know that you and I can kiss and make out and do all this stuff. And that is very normal in a dating relationship. And that doesn't mean anything else is going to happen. You have full control over what happens. All you have to do is say yes or no. And I'm not going to take advantage of you. You don't need to worry about that kind of stuff. And I think there was something, not immediately right when I said that, but something in the very near future after that where you realized, okay, Tim is not going to take advantage of me. He is not going to push. He may push me a little in a fun way, but it, I, I could always stop it. And that made you feel more comfortable for certain. I felt like intimacy, like leading into those things, everything happened. Like I was unsure. I didn't know Tim's my only like sexual partner, my only probably real dating relationships outside of like a couple like random like first dates here and there and just been like, meh, 
this no, this guy wants me pregnant barefoot in a kitchen, and I was not about that life at <laughs> at all. And so we just always had such a great open communication about sex and intimacy that it just really happened organically and in a way that I felt comfortable with because I was really set on like Tim was my person. And so I was like, if Tim's my person, then whether we do it now or later, doesn't really matter. But I knew that was something that was also important to Tim before like popping the question or getting married is this is something that I'm not willing to really budge on is I want, I care for you. I love you. I want to have a sexual relationship with you because I want to make sure that we're compatible there too. It's for both of us to enter into this relationship with both eyes open and not just like ignoring one part of it. So it just happened really organically and we weren't super like, didn't talk about it like a whole lot. It's not like everybody knew I was having, having relationship with that was open like that. I think it's worth mentioning that it, th- I'm not trying, you know, I really hate it when people prop up purity culture and are, they're like, oh, look at us. We didn't kiss until we get married and that. I don't want to do the inverse and prop up, oh, we had all this crazy. I, we had this all worked out before we got oh, married because we did that. Yeah. Here's the thing. It's a ma- it's not to say that you can't like wait until you get married and then still be successful in your sexual relationship and all this. It's that Are you guys thinking about it realistically? Because that is an aspect of your relationship that is going to have, it's going to have kinks. You're going to have to work through it. You're going to have to figure it out. And there is the possibility that it could not be what you want. And so if you're going to leave, that is like leaving a whole nest of problems to be dealt with after you got married. And from my perspective and my logic and my pragmatism, it was like, I do not want to leave that. Until after I have made, because let me tell you, I I told you guys this the other day before I married you, I take marriage very seriously. I take the commitment very seriously. And so that was just one item on the checklist that I did not want to have to go through after I made such that that firm of a commitment. And, And yeah, I feel strongly about that. I think that's a good decision and people should think about it. You said something I thought was great was that you take marriage very seriously. And I think everyone here at this table, well, I know because I were also that we, we all take marriage very seriously yes. at this table. So the question is that why do we take marriage so seriously when our, our foundation of getting married has nothing to do with church or the God or God or anything of the, that nature. So if someone is trying to re, let's say replace or try to navigate the world without having to put on like their religious moral compass, which is pretty screwy anyways. But why is marriage, why do you take marriage seriously? And and we can go around the table. Okay. Yeah. I guess I can, I guess I'll As the freshly married (laughs) in the room. So funny. Uh I guess I don't need to whisper. But you can, um, because it adds dynamic. Before we got engaged... Isaac was trying to like surprise me. My dad was asking me, probing like a lot of questions. Is he really the one? Is he real? Are you really ready for this? And I'm like, yeah. And I was like, oh, because Isaac had been gone the whole day. So I was like, I bet this is going to be the day. So Isaac's like, damn it, Doug. (laughs) (laughs) What's so funny is I was thinking about it 
not in Isaac's The One, because I don't know that I believe in The One. I don't think there may be soulmates. I don't know. But I don't think there is anything as like The One. I think you find somebody that you appreciate the way they go about life. You appreciate the way they live their life. You appreciate who they are, good and bad. Life is really hard. Life is really challenging. And just on a pragmatic level, finding somebody who you think navigates life well is just survival. Yeah, but and then a marriage is basically an agreement that we're going to survive this shit together. Yeah, and so it's actually for me, it's obviously it's romantic, it's yeah. a wedding, but yeah. the contract and the idea and the tradition and ceremony around it is very practical to me. I also think it's important to get married and have a ceremony of some kind in front of your family, so that it's like this is the status quo, people. Yeah. This is happening. It's um, more proof to other people. Like, it's proof to other people. And like, here is the line or the yeah. circle or whatever you want to exactly. talk about. And so for me, it's practical. And so I forgot what the original question was. <laughs> was why do you take marriage seriously? Why do I take it seriously? I was talking to my uncle because he was, we were talking about it. And he said, getting married is such a false sense of security. And I was like, I already have that. Like when I was a kid, my dad died. So my mom had to raise me by herself for 11 years and my brother and i was like so that sense of security is already blown to shit (laughs) like it's gone so getting married i didn't get married for a sense of security i didn't get married because i thought isaac was the one and he was like what you said god fits these two people perfectly together i don't think that but i love who isaac is and how he lives life and I think together we could build something really awesome. Yeah. That's a good one. So that's why I take marriage seriously. Leah, why do you take marriage seriously? It is actually fun. It's, it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. It is fun. <laughs> it's pretty fun. It's um, fun when you got a couple stallions like us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But when I, like, before meeting Tim and, like, the years leading up to meeting Tim and, like, transitioning from living in California and moving to Texas and living on my own, in my own apartment for the first real time and stuff. I'd always had this idea, like, when you grow up in purity culture, they usually push you to have, like, your top 10 things you want in a partner or in your future husband. And those are the things that you're supposed to pray about having. And if number one isn't, has a great relationship with God, then you're doing it wrong. Okay. I always had a hard time with that because I was like, but what if, what if I don't know what I want, what I need? And so I got leading up to meeting Tim, I got to this place where I was like, you know what? I want a partner in a marriage that I can, cause I'd been super independent up in to meeting Tim. Like I'd traveled the world. I'd done things in many different States. I had like different careers, stuff like that. And so I was like, the person for me is the one that I can see doing more with and doing less without. There's always, there's this sense of I can do more amazing things and live more of life with this person. And without this person, I'm not going to be able to do those same things. So that kind of became my base of, does this relationship speak to a life of more or does this relationship speak to having a life of less and settling? And known. And just known. I joke about pregnant in the kitchen. It's not a problem if that is your dream 
girls. That's like, my dream. That's okay. <laughs> that is a okay. But that just wasn't like something that I wanted for my life, like early on, or to be like boxed into that. And so I take marriage seriously because I felt like through it, it opened up doors to being able to live a fuller life. And I think the only thing that made it change is like maybe we should have dated a little bit longer. Yeah. You know, maybe. had a little bit more of that. Cause you know, being in the wedding industry, most of the couples that I photograph their weddings, like they've been together. I always joke with them. Cause I, it's one of my standard questions is how long have y'all been together? And most of them are like five plus years before even getting married. And so it's my little joke is, oh, you've already been together longer than most marriages. <laughs> Going along with that thought, because Francie and I have asked that question because we just got so seriously so quickly. Did we miss out on that fun dating type of experience? But there's also a lot of anxiety. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of opportunity for miscommunication there. Yep. You can, are we exclusive? Are we not exclusive? How much is bothering you too much and how much is bothering you too little? I think sometimes just the not really having a really good game plan for dating can kind of mess things up because there was a lot of anxiety that was gone because we did get so serious. Yeah. I, there wasn't I can't that, live in that space. That limbo. Limbo is hard for yeah. us too. Oh, we don't lo- We hate limbo. Yeah. yeah but like for me, like the getting to marriage with Tim gave me a little bit more of a, cause I'd never dated anybody before really. Like it gave me a little bit more sense of security in our relationship maybe would stop the letters as well. (laughs) But, and I felt like not being married held us back from some of our financial and like relation and life goals is it was going to be easier and more fulfilling to do it as a married couple versus two single people in a monogamous relationship. Mm -hmm. Like it just solidified things. So that's why I take it seriously because and every woman I've always talked to about marriage and relationships, like make sure the partner that you're with is you're getting more out of life with that person and it's not something that's like dragging you down and taking from Well there's a saying that's like that. It's are you greater than the sum of your parts? And that's like a big part of the culture course, but does something that Francie and I say a lot and it's just our little reminder is one plus one equals ten. Yeah. And so it's let's bring let's bring more to the table because we're together. Yeah. We're greater than our individual parts. I just think also it's reflective, like listening to what you guys said about it. Everything that you guys just said about why you would take it seriously and why it means something to you and what prospects it puts forward in your life and what you want, it's all the void of any religious stuff. And so many people think of this as like God thing and will and the fate of the universe and soulmates. And they talk about that. And it's none of us thought about our relationships in that context. Our relationships were all thought about in a, does this person fulfill a need in my life? Do I fulfill a need in their life? Do we jive enough that we can work around the bad stuff and then go have all the fun stuff? And I think, and for I believe for the most part in yours and certainly in ours, we didn't allow people within our circle to us about the religious or spiritual stuff. We kept it at bay because we just didn't need it. It had never been a motivating factor for me in our relationship either. Like everybody's like, you're not going to, you shouldn't get in a relationship to change him. Don't, you can't change a man. Like blah, blah, well, there's the whole yoke scripture. The yeah, unequally yoked stuff was like, that people talk about. I always said that like our moral compass and our like, goals for life were always aligned. We just had different motivators. Yeah. It was how I 
always thought about it, but why do you, as the atheist, that I'm, we're all atheists, but I just <laughs> I like to have fun with that. The atheist, no. Why do you take marriage seriously? I take marriage seriously. Probably it's something that's evolved a little bit for me because the way I think about marriage now, after having been in it for eight years, versus how I thought about it prior to being married is very different. And that's something everybody should take an account of is that you're, you go and you live your life. You're going to think about things differently. I've told Leah before that if something were to happen or I had the prospect of marriage being set before me again, I'm not positive. I would do it with any other person besides Leah, just because of what I've navigated and what I've seen on the other side of it. But I take it seriously, probably because I was raised in culturally to think about it that way to a certain extent. And I can't get away from that. But very much in the same vein of what Leah talked about was like, there, there are things that you find the person that you jive with and it's exhausting jumping from partner to partner for me. It was so locking in with somebody that in particularly after watching what she went through our dating and our engagement and then our early parts of our marriage just solidified more like. I'm not going to find a person that accepts me like this exactly. and is willing to take this type of shit. Again, I was like, how many other girls would have just freaking just been like, fuck this. I'm done. Why deal with this? And she fought through all that stuff. So my loyalty to her is like freaking absolute just mm. because of that kind of stuff. And then the other aspects come of it because you've got, we talk a lot about these different aspects that you have to work about working in your relation. You have your passion and your dating and your intimacy and this kind of stuff. And then you have your, like your communication, your pragmatism, your problem solving. And then you have the part of marriage that I think is most rewarding is the life goals. Do you want to have kids? Because I think if you're going to have kids, you need to be on a unified front and you ought to be committed to each other. It's not to say that you can't navigate kids in different contexts, but kids require stability. And so if you're going to do that, we're not. You guys are certainly talking about it. I think it's particularly important for kids, but forget that aspect for a second. If you want to get to some of these other life goals, look at the world that we're living in. Unless you are ridiculously successful on an individual level financially, there are some things you can't achieve unless you're together and fighting on a unified front and the prospects of what kind of happiness that'll bring. That's another motivator for loyalty and the importance of commitment. And it's a lot more fun to go after that. There's yeah. a lot more comforts. So I something that you said, we, you talked about being loyal and being loyal because of the hard work that Leah put in and you saw what she went through and, and there's that respect. And it remind me one of the, the things that I was going to say is there's also like this element of gratefulness. It's like you go through life with someone, they do so much for you and vice versa. And there's almost this appreciation and this gratefulness. And it's not, that's the reason I take marriage seriously. But what that does do is that gratefulness makes me go, okay, this is like worth something fighting for. Yeah, Like it, it just naturally transitions into that level of commitment because you don't want to, Someone that you love and you're grateful towards and you're loyal to, you don't want to see that person hurt. Right? No. So sometimes 
for that loyalty or for that gratefulness. It's I'm going to get over my own problems right now for the betterment of us. And that's another thing I'd like to throw out there right now. And Lee and I have talked about this a lot. I was in a serious relationship before Lee and I got married and I was engaged and that went sideways and we went our separate ways and it was not a bad breakup, but it was a breakup. And I'm sure it was hard for her. It was hard for me. And I can think back on a whole handful of girls that I had serious relationships with and I still very much care for them or I care about them. I hope they're living happy and good lives and enjoying themselves. And so I think that your partnership and your marriage is based upon more than just sexual attraction and passion because I think we get raised with this misnomer in religion that you're going to meet the soulmate and you're going to love that person so much that you don't have eyes for anybody else, (sighs) that there's this element of fantasy to that. It's the fairy tale. It's the knight in shining armor and the princess. And, and it sets inver- you up for failure. And it sets you up for failure because, and we all know, we're all real here, that's not what our relationships are like. There can be moments well, that are like that. Maybe not but oh, no. no, we're not having this competition. <laughs> but I think as guys, we get taught that you're supposed to have that one love for that one person. We are, as human beings and who we are, we have the capacity to love more than one person. And there's plenty of instances where something goes wrong or divorce or tragedy and people go on and meet another person and they have that same, the same kind of commitment and life goals and passion that we have in our relationships. And you can do it again. But when you're inside your relationship and you're committed within religion, they make that concept or the idea of you like, having relationship with anybody outside of the, it's, Oh, you're not supposed to feel that way at all. We have joke it's about like thought like, police again. Like you said, yeah, thought police. Like we were all sitting at dinner last night <laughs> or at, at dinner for Leah's birthday. And we're having Indian food and the waitress. Oh man. She was a looker. <laughs> and all of us were like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely want to shatter the expectation for anybody out there who feels like, they're doing something wrong by checking someone else out or having intimate feelings about someone that is other than their partner or like feeling attraction. And ever since listening to that sex chick podcast, I realized that life with your partner is more interesting when you allow each other to explore that space. Now, with that being said, if you're starting to feel jealousy, if you're starting to feel like you're not secure, yeah, like yeah. when I'm feeling good about myself, when I'm feeling whole and like really good with Isaac, we can totally do and explore those fun, like sexual stuff. Mm. When I'm not feeling good about myself and I'm not feeling like we're jiving, then it's not okay. But we talk about that. Yeah. And it's, I want, I don't want to limit Isaac, I don't want to police his thoughts. I don't want him to feel constricted by me. But at the same time, the energy needs to be put into like reaffirming loyalty, reaffirming goals, reaffirming like each other. Yeah, because I think in our relationship with Leah, I've joked about that girl being hot and talked about girls and she's done the same thing with guys. And it's always done from an affectionate and a loving, like playfulness, never from a perspective of I'm worried that my partner would cheat on me. Yeah. Or even from a place of shaming the partner. Yeah. So it's not like Tim's looking at another girl and being like, man, I wish your boobs were that big. No. Or me like, man, I wish you had 
better pecs or, or whatever it is. Like <laughs> yeah. the petty thing. <laughs> yeah, but it's never as like a compare and contrast. Yeah. It's he's I never feel like he's comparing me to this other person. And half the time it's like, yeah, that girl's hot. Or, the world is arousing. Yeah. <laughs> the world is <laughs> yeah, arousing. Take, take advantage of that. Because I think people can get married and then they get into the monotony, especially in like strict religious marriages where you're only supposed to be with your partner and then there's rules. There's so many weird things going on there. It's like, hey, you're married, you're safe, you're good. Flirt, play around. We all yeah. went to the sex shop the other night and had a blast. Yeah. And it's like there's nothing off limits. The only thing that's off limits is hurting your partner or being inconsiderate to your partner's And I mean, we can all step in it and make a comparison. You're like, that actually really hurt because I'm trying to like lose weight or I'm working on this part that I feel insecure about and you just pointed it out in a way that didn't feel good. Like we can all step in it. But for the most part, I feel like when those opportunities or those instances come up, it's always in like a, like, camaraderie thing versus it being like a compare and contrast. Exactly. But now if your partner is constantly comparing you to other people that they're checking out, that's a red flag for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Versus it being like, there's, I think there's a difference between appreciating someone like I can appreciate a really good looking guy. I can even appreciate like what type of guys friends he's attracted to. I can pick them out. There's a difference between, appreciation and then saying and then comparing yep it's like why can't she grow a beard like that guy do you get what i'm saying oh it'd be nice or like i was saying you were was like why aren't your why can't your boobs be as big as this other girl's boobs right yeah that's super unhealthy it's the comparing thing but if you're like oh those are attractive people but I guess one of the things I'll loop it around to that I'm referring to specifically is like this concept of if you – there's the whole line in the Bible. If you look and lust after a woman, you've already sinned in your heart. Guess what? I sin all the freaking time. <laughs> yeah, so, and I was like, if you're in a marriage and your wife's expecting you to not do that as a guy, I think that's unrealistic goals. But it also makes women take it the wrong way. Absolutely. Right. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. So it stirs so- up a lot of toxicity in you because yes. you're now, what did he mean by that? Like, why is he yeah. like looking at it? Am I not enough? Like that, the purity culture of if you look at somebody else, you've already sinned in your heart. It's such a toxic loop because mm-hmm. then it actually brings you more self-centered because now you're comparing yourself to something that somebody yeah. else is oh, doing. Well, I So I have, so Francie and I, we have a, a little joke, but I'll say entrapment. And entrapment. <laughs> entrapment. And basically what entrapment's turned into for us is it's one of those things where I'm either going to be honest or I'm going to lie to you. Yeah. So it's like, And like I put him in that position. Yeah. Did you think she was hot? Like eh, entrapment. Yeah. And so the thing is that I feel like and I'm using it just as an example. Francie's never done that. We've never been in a situation. And our entrapment jokes are something here's a great one. Do you want to go to the store with me? Erroneous. Okay. The answer is no. It is always no. I always say no. And then, and I say entrapment because I'm either going to lie and say yes, or I'm going to say no, like harshly. Uh So I, and I know it's silly, but I ask her to change the question. Will you go to the store with me? Yeah, mm. I will. Like, I love you. I will go to the store with you. And I'll go to the store with you. And I'll be pleasant. I'm not going to be a grumpy pants about it. And I'll put it down. But please do not ask me if I want to. 
<laughs> because I'm going to lie to you. And so I feel like religion does that. I feel like it creates these little social entrapments because there's a preconceived idea of how this is supposed to go. Yes. You can look at all women or you can look at all men or whatever, men, the whole shebang. Like you can, whatever you're interested into, but that's healthy until you get married and then that just shuts off. For me, that's entrapment. Yeah. And so you're culturally setting well, people up for and failure. Oh my Lord, like you would have to live your entire life full of guilt. Yeah. For, or you do. Because sometimes you're just, I couldn't even try and control it if I had to. If you're at like Murdoch's, Murdoch's is like the sexiest place on the planet for women. <laughs> if you're heterosexual, because it's like all these cowboys walking around with these jeans and like this little apron. You're like, mm. like you can't not See, be aroused I'm, at Murdoch's I'm, or Home Depot. Whole- <laughs> like, wow, you're really already domesticated, is it, Francie. Is it the little, is it the little orange? No. It's the orange aprons, man. No. Oh, <laughs> Listen, I figured it out. Francie would put on makeup to go to Home Depot. Oh. Babe, where you, it's the only babe. way you can get help, people. Yeah, she's like, I'm like, man, oh, you look really nice. Where are you going? Oh, Home Depot. All right, this is becoming a thing. This is a pattern. Listen, I'm not above trying to discover what that is and then march them right through there and then drag them back to the house and have my way. Exactly. So, so it's like you play this game smart, people. Work it smarter, not harder. Good I don't grief. care how the oven gets warmed up as long as I get the brownie. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but Isaac, I did... I don't know that we answered why do you take oh, yeah. marriage so yeah, seriously. Why do you take it seriously. So I... So Being one, the freshly married. Yeah, the newlyweds. Yeah. So one of the things, and, I, and I'll tie it into religion and see what, how you guys feel about it, but probably the biggest reason for me that I take marriage seriously is because I found someone, and I take that very seriously. I found someone who's willing to have hard conversations, Yeah, who's willing to create like our own version of the Ten Commandments. We're very much a self-help couple. We have our sayings like one plus one equals needs to equal ten or entrapment or. uh, Do you want to be right or do you want to be in love? Yeah. (laughs) That seems like a very you guys thing. You want to be Um, right or you want to be in love right now? Yeah. Because I'm very headstrong. He's very headstrong. So a lot of times we're both just trying to be like right. But it's our way of saying, but it's also like that saying also means are we debating? Are we arguing? Are we having a conversation? And so it's just little, they're little things that kind of get us out of whatever we're in because we'll, we'll fight to the death if it had to happen. But we also do things where we can tell sometimes that we're being hesitant, like we're getting away from candor. Okay. So we do a thing where we get on each side of us, get on the other side of the dry erase board. You know how I have that big diet and we ask questions and we write down our answers Without the other person knowing or being able to give feedback. And this is usually when it's like DEFCON 5, like oh, yeah, knockout, like, drag like, out fights. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're having to work something. <laughs> and you're yeah. just stuck in that instead like, of going, fight cycle. Instead yeah. of going to the mattresses. Go the, to the whiteboard. You go to the whiteboard. <laughs> yeah. We go to the whiteboard. And then what happens is we step away from it. So whatever you wrote, you can't unwrite. And then what also happens is if we've resolved the issue and we cross it out, the yeah. issue's done. Yeah. Because someone, I'm not going to bring up any... 
right? <laughs> we'll like take a giant leap and connect this dot to this dot, and they're, oh, they're oh, not yeah. even dots. Well, or yeah, I do do that. Well, yes. Sometimes you get angry and frustrated about something that has nothing to do with the immediate thing. Zip ties yeah. is the one. The zip ties. But but what I'm getting at is that Francie is that person. She's willing to do those things. She's willing to do the work. I'm willing to do the work. Yeah. We we have moments where one of us is a little bit stronger, one of us a little bit weaker, having that that space of grace that we talked about. Yeah, I was about uh, to before. bring that up. <laughs> but I take it very seriously because I one, I take all my commitments seriously. I think it's a you part of my integrity. Yeah. And That's why you and I are friends. You've always been the type of friend that means business and you know Um and then the other thing is I feel like Francie deserves my best. Now I'm not. I, I, it's not always the best, but she deserves my best, and yeah. so a part of my best is being yeah. committed and looking at the big picture cool. and and doing that. So yeah, so there's some practicality and pragmatism, but I think there's also a lot of uh, appreciation. There's also a little bit of integrity. But what I've noticed is that with people that go to friends that I have that really got married and their motivator was religion was they almost were handed, like, here's your user manual for a marriage. Yeah. yeah. And it's not a very good user manual. No, and, and we so, built our own. Yeah, and we... I mean, followed... We had good examples set for us in some instances. Absolutely. Sure we talked to that people way. that... We talked to the people we trusted and that have marriages that we want to emulate. Yeah. I've asked y'all questions. Oh, and yeah. Now, Navigate this. I feel like Francie and I are very lucky in the respect that Doug and Kelly have such a good marriage and they think very much like us. And so they've been a great sounding board for us, both individually and together. And so, yeah, so, so that's the biggest thing is that I found someone who like read the user manual. Mm-hmm. Yes, we've made some changes together, but I really think you don't get out of life what you want. You get out of life who you are. And I want to mm-hmm. be with someone who who is fancy i and you and i were talking we went on this beautiful four-wheeler ride yesterday way up into the mountains and we were gone we were like all day yesterday it was awesome you and leah were on one and isaac and i were on the other four-wheeler and we talked the whole time i have no idea what you guys talked about but isaac and i were talking about stuff and i mentioned the whole what you brought up a second ago if i were like I don't care what kind of relationship you're going into, but we're discussing the aspects of navigating relationships in the absence of religion because you guys aren't going to go to church. I don't see you guys doing that kind of thing or praying or none of you are into that. She and I don't do these things. So what are some of the things that help us and navigate challenges because they're going to show up? And not everything's easy. But when we were on that four-wheeler ride, I brought up the one that is my number one. And I put it out there for anybody. And it's this – the moment Leah and I realized this, it changed how we navigated our relationship. And it was the realization that if I had a bad day and I was – and we refer to it as running low on grace or understanding for the other person, is that if I'm running at a deficiency of that – I've had a hard day at work. I've got the shit kicked out of me, whatever it is. She usually has enough to compensate. And then vice versa. She goes and has a horrible weekend. It's hard wedding shoot. She's exhausted. She's tired. She's worn out. She has no energy left. I usually have enough to compensate. The moment you can get into the absolute worst trouble is when you both reach empty in that front. And what's helped us is that analogy And then both of us have worked really hard at being able to identify that moment when it shows up. Oh, 
because that's when we start button heads and it starts getting mean. And then if one of us can just recognize that this is what's happened, we both hit that we both hit the wall. Yeah. And as long as we do that, we can reset and it makes a world of difference. You go stop, go out to dinner, go on a date, re- change the dynamic. Like I've said, that's it. We're going to San Antonio. We're going to dinner and we just stop and we go. And so that has been one of the number one tools. Would you agree with that, Leah? Yeah, I think so. We, I think we've gotten better at navigating early on. We like, like, why are we fighting? Yeah. And being able to recognize that you've been empty. I've compensated. I got empty. You compensated. But if we didn't take time after those moments to refill our own. Yes. Our own cups so that we can keep that juggle kind of balanced. Because that's the way life is. Life isn't like a linear line. It goes up and down. But where we get in trouble is where we don't take time to refill those things either in each other or for ourselves. And there's nothing left to compensate with. Yeah. Francie and I recognize that. And we end up having to yeah. spread apart and do our own thing. Yeah. And yeah. what I'm so curious about, because I have no really experience with religion at all. What I want to know is like... When you go to church every week and if say you're like me and I need recharge time, which means I need to be alone and maybe you're working Monday through Friday, maybe you have kids and then Sunday comes around and it might be your one day where you can just go do your own thing, but then you have to go to church in my brain. If if I lived in this like perfect church in the way that it's been described to me by Christian people, mm-hmm. it's like a place where you can go be with God, be vulnerable, be totally accepted, and tell God all your problems. But if you were to actually go into church and sit with people and tell them your and be completely vulnerable, oh, are you met wow. with like love and acceptance, maybe on a one friend basis, but in a congregation, like with your priest, he, if he's either, from what I understand, they tell you to pray about it and then, or they start to pass judgment upon you. And that's what I, my small experience in church, I felt judged like youth group. I felt judged. So I was like, how do you even debrief yourself? Yeah. Just imagine for a second, Francie, because you've never had this experience and I have, (laughs) is that you're, you're thinking of it like, oh, I go there. Maybe do they get to recharge? Do they get some help? It's not even that. For some people, maybe. It's marketed, though, as it's the place to reset. It's marketed as a place Sunday to, to reset. reset. But you know what I see people do? The reality of it in my experience and what I grew up and what I saw at church, what I saw were people with masks trying to – because they're at church, they're getting seen by their peers, people that they're – that are the church family, they want to be viewed in a very certain way. Oh yeah. They get dressed up. You get dressed up. How's everything? Everything's fine. Everything's wonderful. I didn't have a throwdown fight with my husband. Too blessed to be stressed. Too blessed to be stressed. And I've called it in some instances, people like do it radically. I call it toxic positivity where people are like, they um, again, I felt it to be very insincere in a lot of instances. I would feel like it's people putting on masks or put the, you could call it putting your best foot forward, but that's not honesty. Yeah, I remember when I was at church 
seeing that someone had aired some of their laundry, looking seeking guidance mm-hmm. and help, and how it became a topic and how it was discussed between like our little youth group leadership team. And, and I remember there being enough instances, a young adults group in the main congregation where I was like, I'm not telling anyone shit here. Because yeah. it really turns into a way of, it, it becomes a almost like a lever to control. I've seen that happen. I personally experienced that in my little church. Obviously, every mm-hmm. church is different, but it was almost like, oh, I have these tokens now. I know how to use these chips against you. Yeah, And that's a lot of the reason why I left corporate church and kind of became this like hippie traveling Christian. I was doing work in the inner city with kids and homeless. And I just got so tired of this social structure of church. And I was like, we're supposed to be like feeding the homeless and helping kids anyway. Like what is, what is the point of sitting in this pew every Sunday? If there's nothing outward happening, like it's all so in, it's so all, everything stays within the group. And we had talked Earlier this week, somebody had made a comment about the church that's putting up like a $6 million building. And the church in that church in our, in our community, it's not a huge church. It, I wouldn't even consider it one of the, obviously we're a small town. We don't really have mega churches, but I wouldn't consider that church no. one of the bigger churches in town. Really? And for me, it's like, you're going to build a $6 million building but do all of your single moms have their bills paid for the next year? Yeah. Are Is there new school clothes for all the kids well, that don't have parents that can provide as much? There's foster care facilities that I work with around that are highly underfunded. Yeah. And so you're going to you know. build this church, yeah. this $6 million church building for your congregation to come to and be like, ooh, look at our building. Oh, and I'm just going to say, in a floodplain in, a flood in our plane. town, where they have to, <laughs> they're going to have to spend X amount, millions of dollars to raise the ground up so that the building won't be in the floodplain. It's yeah. insane. So for me, and it's, I'm going to loop it back as Christian, not all Christian marriage is bad. I don't want it to like, sure, I, I, I photograph that. amazing Christian couples. Yeah. As, as, yeah. I'm not trying to badmouth that, but there's this, if you're constantly like just doing like a loop within yourself, or within your church community, and you're not taking care of the needs of the group as a whole. Oh, Leah Leah needs a massage. Let's make sure that happens. Tim needs a day that he doesn't have to do anything or have responsibility. I want to play video games. Because he needs that kind of recharge time. Like... Kind of like it creates like a false sense of reality. It gives this false sense of reality and security that you don't really have because you're trying to show off, here's my building or here's my marriage. But yeah. under the surface, are you taking care of the needs of your body? Like your body as a marriage, your body as a church. Yeah. And it just, it can become really toxic really fast. And I think that's where a lot of marriages get into trouble is they're not taking care of your needs as an individual mm-hmm. to be better as a whole. And I talked about this not too long ago. We went and had dinner with my older brother and his wife. And they're quote-unquote Christians. They'd be hippie Christians. They would be considered hippie Christians. And I love them to death. When I was growing up and going through my dating phase, I'm wondering if you feel this way, Francie, is that I like looked at like some 
some of my siblings' marriages, and I would look at them and go, and all of them have positive and negative aspects. I'm not trying to throw any of them under the bus or anything like that, but I would look at my older sister's relationship, and I'd be like, I like that, but I don't like this, and I don't like that. My little sister's marriage, I like that. I really don't like this. And I told my older brother and his wife, who I moved in here when I moved to Kerrville, I lived with them for like three months before I got on my own, and of all of my siblings' relationships, theirs was the one that I most wanted to emulate. And it was not to denigrate the other ones. It was just like what they were doing and how they were handling their relationship and how they navigate, how they acted about life was the most appealing to me. And so I emulated a lot of my behavior off of that. But looking at them, they're the most secular of my family members. They don't go to church on Sunday. They aren't hyper-religious or in your face about anything. They're very balanced. Yeah. I would say they're fierce individuals. Yes, they very much are. And they, like... So, I always joke that I married the better brother because <laughs> they're just different. Yeah, we're and different. I don't have to put up with the same things that my that, sister-in-law has to put up with. And, go, go and, vice, <laughs> and vice versa. But like they're both fierce individuals and they don't squash that for the married individual, mm-hmm. like the married relationship. Well, let's talk about that. So let's talk about what well, I let's talk about what church presents and what church says about marriage. To the best of our knowledge, and what the guidelines that they have, and then let's get into and then end it with what our guidelines are. Like, okay. how do we navigate it? The first thing I thought of, and this might be a little bit harder for Francie because she's has was unscathed. It, yeah, <laughs> unscathed. But somehow right. I made it through. It's so refreshing, hey, though. I, some, Kelly's always like, "You're welcome." Yeah. I, some I, of no our kidding. conversations mm. were like, "You're like." You'll because you listen to the podcast, Francie, especially after the purity one. Like some of the conversations we have, like you had to go through this. Yeah, like it's so refreshing to hear the point of view of somebody who didn't grow up with Any the same it. kind of trauma that we all grew up with. It's really refreshing, and it's okay. You can so do bad it different for you guys. <laughs> I just want to say that for our audience and our listeners, because we're developing quite an audience, you guys. So I've been so excited to watch it grow. But Francie and I, I feel like our relationship has developed in a very special sort of way because you edit the podcast and I come over and I co-work and I've been helping Isaac with both you guys with other projects. But it's so funny because you and I have gotten to where we almost have a lunch together a week, just the two of us, yeah. because he'll be on with Sheena yeah. and it chat. But what happened was, is you started listening to our podcast. You listened to everything that we've done. You've edited and great job, by the way. But Francie and I end up would end up sitting down and having lunches, and she'd just be like, I can't believe this shit happened to you guys. What is going on? And then she would have questions with for me, and we've just developed this really lovely back and forth relationship that's a part that where we've yeah. been talking about this stuff, and it's been well, so much fun. I feel like I've gained more understanding of how religion harms people, because I never thought about it. I was like, oh, it's to each his own. Sure, sure. You, you have your beliefs. That's awesome. I have mine. Like, honestly, for growing up for a really long time, I would be jealous of people who were a part of youth group, part of church, mm. because you'd see them doing things, and they had yes. structure. And I would crave structure, and I craved purpose. And I felt like they all had purpose, and I didn't. So I joined a youth group for like a week, and I was like, oh, no. 
This, like, <laughs> the foundation and structure that you guys are all doing your stuff on is so weird and a little fucked up. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then at one point, they started praying at school. And, like, they're like, Francie, come on, come on in. And it was very inviting. But all of a sudden, felt like my inner world was being intruded upon. Yeah. I was like, no, you guys are not a safe place for me to be myself because I'm like, I was being myself. I was doing my thing. I had a little bit of jealousy towards you guys in the structure. But when you start telling me I'm not good enough for God, oh, because I don't yeah. have the blood of Christ on me or whatever, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I can't do that. So anyway, sorry. Well, so that was a tangent. So yeah. So, so God's first was always a thing. When yeah. I remember in church, God's first, God's the, first. The three strand cord isn't easily broken. So it's always like Jesus, the husband, and the wife. Like that makes the unit. Oh, okay. With that. So that's Kink, kinky. That just looks like an extra layer there, of like, what? There's also a lot of the man is the head of the family. Yeah. That was stressed a lot when I was at church. Yeah. That did not fly figure. for my mom, a single mom. She was the head of the family. So what else? Other, what, what do y'all remember being the rule of thumb and... Or the principles of getting married within the church. Like what, yeah, what would they say? You you talked yeah. a little bit about like that the culture you grew up in was like women gave sex to their husbands. I felt like the one that they would always talk about is like, you're going to marry your best friend and then you'll only have eyes for that person. And I still see stuff you drive by churches and it's like imploring women to bring their husbands to church. Husbands that go, take their families to church, stay together. And there's all this the, I always got taught that the man's the spiritual head of the family as well. He is supposed to be the – it's not to say that he doesn't – it depends on interpretation. Some people take that as the guy, the buck stops with him. And then some people take it as more of it's a team effort, but the final decision always falls to the head of the family, oh, which is the man. <laughs> what is, I want, do you all have any insight of what Christian like premarital counseling looks like? No, because I refuse actually to refused do to do it. I had everybody was like, what about counseling? No, I don't need somebody else telling me like what my, and we were older too. So we were already like paying our own bills. Like now if you're like 19 and 20 years old getting married and you haven't learned how to like budget and pay your bills. I think I remember a lot of like premarital counseling was like, you know, like how, what is your budget? How are you going to budget for things? Like, yeah. you know, some practicality yeah. things, but. Here's some things just on the church side of it. So how Christian premarital counseling helps couples just, and all I'm trying to do is create a vibe of yeah. what yeah. getting married in the church could look like. Yeah. It helps build a solid biblical foundation for the marriage. A lot of time is spent in scripture and looking at how to apply biblical ideas. AKA that the man is in control and the woman must submit mm. in all things. It helps couples begin a dialogue. Topics like communication, finances, sex, parenting need to be discussed. It points out areas of concern in a relationship. Mm. It preserves couples from temptation. Getting engaged can result in couples rationalizing premarital sex. I agree with the last Pre two. Premarital sex. That's it. What? It preserves couples from... No, the communication oh, and like yeah. planning. And it prepares couples for the marriage, not just the wedding day. That's got to be the most awkward conversation to like sit down with the pa your pastor. You're getting married. You're 20 and 21, let's say. Yeah. Okay. You're young. You're in love. You've graduated high school you sit down with your pastor and you you guys have dedicated yourselves to not having sex before marriage okay 
And you have to sit down with your pastor and probably the pastor's wife, most likely, like the guy would take the guy and the girl would go off with the pastor's wife. Mm -hmm. And you have to now have this conversation about sex and sexuality with people that probably don't have intimate like relationship with you as it's not like you're going to the pastor's house for dinner every sunday you know they're probably not sex experts and they're not sex experts and they're just pulling from their own Mm -hmm. experience and you don't know if they have a healthy sexual relationship that's what i was thinking like how much do you when you're taking advice from your pastor on anything how much do you know about him or just an elder a lot of times those premier is just just done by yeah, just done by like elective uh, elders in the church. I never thought about it. Like, you don't know. And a lot of the stuff that's coming out in the church right now is these super unhealthy relationships that women are forced to stay into because the church is like, you need to stay with this person because you're married. But like, you're going in and you don't even know if these the people that you're counseling with have a relationship that you want to emulate. Yeah. And I you're know. there to get advice from them and counseling and like direction. And you don't know if they have a healthy enough relationship to give you advice. To give you advice. Tim and I always loosely joke about there was a friend of ours that got married six months after us. In, so we got married in June. They got married in December. And within a year of them being married, they had written a book about marriage. And I'm like, I'm not coming to somebody who's been married less time than me. Yeah. I might, Francine will talk about being married or sexual relationships, but we're doing it as like girls and like comparing and contrasting and, oh, you know, this blah, blah, blah. But I'm not going to get like, hey, I'm having trouble with this part in my marriage from somebody who's gotten who's been married less than I have. Yeah. I'm going to go to somebody that like, I love what I see from your marriage. How would you navigate this thing? And I would mm-hmm. get advice from somebody that I actually really like. And I see their marriage. Like Tim was saying, uh, we really love our brother and sister-in-law's marriage. That was something that we wanted to emulate. But this, I, I just now was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> don't get advice from people that you, you don't know, know anything well, about. I always, I always and... like to say, don't get money advice from poor people. Yeah. And then if you're talking about just from a woman's perspective, like I was in some Christian circles where the women took it upon themselves. Like, I don't tell my husband no. If he wants sex or intimacy, I don't tell him no. But mm-hmm. that's not something that I necessarily want to emulate in my marriage. I don't know if that's healthy no, in a marriage. It's absolutely but not if healthy. That is your, <laughs> but if that is your only... Isaac Taylor. Isaac Taylor. But if that is your only reference as like a 20-year-old woman coming into a marriage and you're just now finding out that like your pastor's wife or this elder's wife or whatever is, I don't tell them no, they get it whenever they want and that's what you should expect to do too. You're like, whoa. Yeah, where where do their expertise come from? Exactly. (laughs) So here's, so going to that. Let's get juicy, guys. (laughs) So on focus on the family, okay. Oh, oh God. God. There's Please. nine reasons. No. There's nine reasons to get married. Okay. So here we go. This is probably a good contrast because Number so one. many people rely on focus on the family. Oh, for- yeah. I don't even know what that is. What is that? We'll talk about it later. I'll, okay. I'll, okay. I'll, that's a whole other podcast. Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> that's a lot. To Number unpack. one, marriage is the cornerstone of a stable society. I don't totally disagree with that there may be some legitimacy there yeah 
Yeah. Right. Totally it may, that's a generalization, though. It is well, a generalization. And that, and that has nothing to do with the Bible. Because the Bible, we're going to What get they're not it. saying in that statement is that it's heterosexual marriage. Sure, um, yes. Is the cornerstone. Well, that's coming. That's coming. Let's continue. <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm just saying, that's something that they're leaving out. They're oh, not yeah. saying that just marriage to anyone. Oh, okay. Like See? your uncles wouldn't count. They're oh, ruining things. Oh, my God. Marriage is a sacred covenant between the couple and God. Okay. See, God's not involved in that. They, they use the, here's a quote. He, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold vast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined them together, let not separate man. And what's funny is on a few of these websites where I'm looking this up, they're using this scripture to say that man and women are equal in the eyes of God. Then you scroll down the page and it says men are the spiritual household of God. On and the women same, need yeah. to on the same page. I would like to say something directly on that front too, is that this creates this um, just thinking about marriage as like you as one person instead of you as individuals. And that's a toxic thing to get into. I am not my wife and she is not me. And we have this whole thing about not being directly responsible for each other's happiness. We want to support each other's happiness, but we're not responsible for it. When you talk about that, it's like the symbiosis concept. And again, false expectations set you up for failure. I just found something interesting. So we said marriage is the cornerstone of a stable society. Obviously, we they're not saying any marriages. But what's funny is when they go and they quote sources from people or different like philosophers, then they use the scripture on the marriage's sacred covenant between a couple and God. And then the next one, which we did all say, is that marriage benefits the individuals. We talked about that. And so that was something we, you're healthier, you're happier, you're safer, you're wealthier. Most has um, statistically the most satisfying sex on the planet. They're really trying to double down on that. But <laughs> wow. You have better health insurance. Uh, they talk about, uh, according to federal law, there's 1,138 benefits, <laughs> rights, and protections that are provided. None of this is scriptural. Like they're yeah. like it, it's just ironic. Yeah. Now, marriage is the best way to raise children. We talked about that. Like, I don't know. That's the best way. Not, a, but it's it's a factor. It could yeah. be a factor. Having a unified. But if front. you don't have yeah. it, but if you don't have a healthy marriage, your ki- like that's not a healthy exactly. environment to raise kids in. That yeah. is all. I'm assuming all of this is if everyone's like the situation's good. Yeah, yeah. marriage creates a safe relationship where you can reach. The deepest levels of intimacy and connection. That's yeah, but what do they mean not, by that? But I don't well, think that is only in marriage. That's not true. That yeah. marriage has not that marriage has nothing to do with that. There's so many marriages, and that's what I'm saying. That kind of sets you up for failure. If I'm sitting here and I'm reading this, oh, marriage creates a safe relationship where you can have the highest, deepest levels of intimacy and connection. That's setting people up for failure because they get shocked when they get married and it's not working out. And the other thing is marriage is a word. Marriage does not do any of this shit. Marriage is a word. What does everything that they're talking about is the actual actions of the individuals in the relationship that can create these benefits, but just the act of being married does not make this stuff happen. Yeah. What they're saying is like, you have to be loyal 
and dedicated to somebody to have these things. Now, there's a level of like truth to that. The first time we were intimate with each other was super magical. And then before we were even That's right, totally committed, like magical. Isaac Taylor, I wasn't thinking about marriage. And here's what the Bible, here's what they say. It's a word. They say when spouses truly trust the vows they made on their wedding day and they're willing to be naked and unashamed, just as Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 2.25, they can be completely known by their spouse at the deepest levels, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically. They have experienced a profound vulnerability and openness that cannot happen in other relationships. Sex does that. I don't know. I don't, I don't agree with that. I... Like, that's just a healthy relationship. Yeah. Being that's vulnerable has nothing, nothing to, do to do with, with a ring on my finger. And know? it has nothing to do with Adam and Eve. No. It, like, that That can all happen within a, like, a healthy relationship. Merit And marriage is separate from that. Here's the problem. Okay. Just like Adam and Eve were. Okay. All right. If you're using them as a, an example, sure. But for me, it always gives this perception, I'm going to get married. And I have my vows like Adam and Eve. So that's all automatically going to make me naked, unashamed, and be vulnerable and have openness. And the thing is, it doesn't say no. You have to create a safe space. You have to have courage to be vulnerable. There's so many other aspects to that. You're not like just because you say I do and put a ring on doesn't immediately make you vulnerable in a new way. It doesn't erase. What about? The fact that we're talking about something that doesn't just happen and stay that way, it can fluctuate. I've had moments of being very vulnerable, and I've had moments where I've been clammed up, and vice versa. And I've communicated with you guys about that kind of stuff because we want you guys to avoid pitfalls that we've struggled with, too. But people, you don't just do that and then have it that way. It requires an immense amount of work, and it can fluctuate. Well, and then when they're struggling then god's the the, yeah what's wrong now we turn to god to give us solutions but if god's not real and imaginary like in my instance if i was relying on god to fix (coughs) isaac and i's problems holy shit we wouldn't be together well and you wouldn't be addressing problems in a healthy way we'd be relying on something else like a divine intervention You'd be relying on my interpretation yeah yeah because i'm the spiritual head hold so god hold on wait a second yeah, God wants you to add blueberries to my oatmeal. <laughs> and we might address this a little bit more in depth later, too. I don't know, but I wanted to throw this out there. So when I was going through, like, the Christian experience as a woman is just interesting, looking back on it especially. And they, they tell you, like, a, and I mentioned this just a minute ago, too. They say this in, like, marriage ceremonies all the time. So this idea that, it's God, the, we're going to talk about heterosexual marriage because that's what the church believes in is heterosexual marriage. So we'll have God, and then you've got the man, and then you've got the woman. And those three things woven together is a marriage. And so it's this idea that a three-strand cord isn't easily broken. I don't know where it says it in the Bible, but it is a biblical verse restaurant. I don't remember where it talks about it. It's probably in Romans when they're talking about love is patient, love is kind. I don't remember. Anyway, so when Tim and I were together, obviously Tim was an atheist, is an atheist, and I was coming in as this hippie Christian. And so I had to find, not necessarily do like mental gymnastics, but I had to find like 
ways to adjust the visualizations that I was given my entire life as a woman in the church. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what does that mean for Tim and I? Because obviously we're not going to have God as the center of our marriage. What does that, but what does that mean? And what do we put in that place? Or what do I mentally put in that place so that we're still all on the same page? And so part of that like mental exercise, and I didn't even realize I did it until like we were having these conversations was, Tim and I are both individuals in our marriage. And that third quote unquote person in our marriage is our marriage because things that they don't tell you, or I don't feel like I was told while we were leading up to getting married or even from any married person is that you don't stop growing as an individual. You you're growing, you know, dating, you're growing together, whatever. But after marriage, it doesn't stay linear. There's still like things where like, I'm growing and discovering things about myself. Tim's growing and discovering things about himself. And we constantly have to like recheck in. And this to me is what the work of marriage is. You don't stop growing as individuals. And if you do, there's other problems. And that you have to constantly come back in and check in like these new individuals that are developing, like still have to come in and choose to stay married and to grow as a married like we have to grow our marriage identity. Yeah. We're experiencing with different things in side of sexuality in the bedroom. It's like I'm growing in one way in that, Tim's growing another way. We still have to constantly come back in yeah. and check. And so that three strand cord for me is really Tim, me, and then our marriage is that yeah. this third entity or this third person that we're we're creating. Having, we're creating and having to grow together yeah. in as individuals. Relying on God to wash away the problems or fix them is like, why do that jump? Because at the end of the day, it's still you having well, to reconcile and, your problems. Yeah. And it's so subjective. Yeah. It's so yes. Subjective. Yes. All right. So moving on where our goal is, is we're going to get through these nine reasons from the church. It's kind of uh-huh. hard to pass them up. And then for fun, we're going to make a top 10 rules for marriage to the best of our information and knowledge between the four of us which i think will be fun a fun exercise at least that people can do for non-religious people which I, yeah. the suggestion would be don't just take ours go make yours yeah exactly figure it out all right so the next one is that marriage creates a powerful synergy they refer to the scripture <laughs> in ephesians the two shall become one f- flesh yep And they said that the oneness is a superpower. When a husband and wife are united, they can accomplish amazing feats together. When they are united in vision and purpose and share a dream together, they can serve God in powerful ways. This is our one plus one equals 10 rule. Yeah, but it's not synonymous with like God. You can have if you're. That can be true for friendships. If you're clicked, yeah. if you're yeah. clicked in, and like you're with your person, and you're like living like in your purpose, yeah. like that, yeah, you'll That's have all any. you'll have all of those benefits. You can do that with a friendship. Exactly, yeah. you can do that with a friendship. Yeah. Isaac I, and I can do that well, I together. Think, I think yeah. that's worth mentioning. Like here at the wedding over the weekend, I met your uncle Brian and then his husband Neil, and. I was like, I sat there and got, we had such a good time chatting with them and getting to know them. And I was like, their relationship is about as solid as a rock. And 
it's they don't need a bunch of religious crap to make a relationship work. No. Yeah. And nope. in a lot of ways, it was so funny because Brian's like, be better husbands, kiss your wives. And he'd go <laughs> over and kiss Neil. Like, yeah. So in a lot of ways, I feel and like... And then I went and kissed Neil. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all love Neil. It's just having those kind of relationships in your life make you better at your own relationship. Yeah. But so what they're, they're stating that is it's this is a benefit of Christian marriage. That's a benefit of marriage, you guys. Or, or, or friendship. partnership or just yeah. business partners, whatever. Exactly. But we had different language for the same yeah. statement. Same thing, yeah. But I think our but our language is more intentional. Isaac and Francie. It's more practical. Yeah, Isaac, Francie, what's a reason to get married? We become greater than the sum of our parts. One plus one equals ten. Because when we're together, we can accomplish more. And when there's more depth to it. Where this is, oh, we became one flesh, so we can do more. You're missing the meat of what... It suddenly, it's like going from a metaphysical idea versus it being like a practical, like, yeah. Application. Yeah. When we're at our best, we can get shit done. <laughs> yeah. And boy, we do. Uh, Boy, do we. Number seven, marriage helps us become more like Christ. Is marriage designed to make us happy or holy? Actually, it makes us both. God created marriage to be much more than a relationship that meets our needs and gives us happiness. That's why holiness outweighs happiness. In fact, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but is, is it holy to tell a woman that she has to stay with her abusive husband for the sake of the marriage? And the children. I'm not sure. Just this whole concept of holiness Ooh, is This is crazy. Yeah. To answer your question, mm-hmm. they have an answer. Oh. Oh this, great. Focus on the family. What is the answer? This process isn't easy. It's not supposed to be. But once you understand that fact, marriages inevitable conflicts and rough times don't feel quite so threatening. This seems so simple. A great marriage is the outcome of being Christ like. No. If you're a good person, you can communicate. That's what makes a good marriage. Not being Christ-like, not having some mystical power, and relying on a mystical power. Well, again, what does being Christ-like mean? Yeah, you know, what does that mean? Well, it's subjective. It's it, People all have different versions of it. And, and people every, are going to tell you what it means to be Christ-like. But in yeah. every church denomination is going to have a difference in that opinion. Exactly. Okay. This one, I think, is the most dangerous one. Marriage gives us the help that we need. Genesis 2.18 says, The Lord God said, It's not that man should be alone. I will make him a helper. I will make him a helper fit for him. Our spouses can give us help and that the world doesn't offer. Having lifelong help from the human being who knows us best is a great reason to choose marriage. Again, I don't feel like that's something synonymous with marriage. I'll help Isaac. I think it's generally I'm not like a fucking human. helper. Here's, here's another one. But just a few verses few verses earlier we're told bear one another's burdens. Marriage does give you help if you marry a helpful person. If you yeah, if you have that agreement if you put work towards it again yeah you're right but it's very dangerous because one of the things that i think is important is that the other person is not responsible for your happiness no or should try not to be we're also getting into what this is it's subjective by definition all of these things are subjective and they're trying to paint it with a broad 
brush and say, oh, these are all the, po yeah, all these positive things that you guys are trying to talk about and relate to the religion are all circumstantial. And it's dependent upon the individual and the personality and, of what you're interacting with. And there's enough truth. If there is truth to those statements. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It, makes it, it, makes, it just makes it confusing. And that's what's, that's what's funny. The last one was, is that marriage reflects the relationship between Christ and the church and the healthy family is our greatest witness to a lost world. Well, that's super ironic. That's super ironic considering the divorce rates and the reality of the world around us. So then some biblical facts about marriage, just real quick. The relationship is to reflect the image of God, Genesis 1, 26, 27. The relationship is fruitful, Genesis 1, 28. Basically, it promises that you'll have everything that you need monogamous relationship between husband and wife as stated in the original law says that for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and become united with his wife and the yep. two shall become one flesh. Corinthians six sixteen. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her body? Okay. Husband and wife are equal before God. Ephesians five twenty nine to thirty one. Later, there's a contradiction in Peter three seventeen. Husbands in the same way will be considered as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker nice? partner and as their heirs mm -hmm. with you of gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. It's a dissoluble relationship. Matthew. The husband is the loving head of the relationship, and the wife is to be subordinate. First Corinthians eleven, eight to nine. Make me a sandwich. Ephesians five twenty one to twenty three. Wives, submit yourself to your husbands as you do the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body for which he is the Savior. Now that the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. You better be careful. You're starting to make me feel like I'm in church, which means I'm getting bored and disinterested. <laughs> Ramble true. some more, Isaac. Yes, keep rambling. I, what I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to pull things that the Bible says. I think as a whole, I don't necessarily disagree with the statements from that first article from Focus on the Family. But no, I do challenge that those things aren't synonymous with Christian marriage. And, and female. And, yeah, Christian and, heterosexual marriage. And, and, mar and marriage, like we said, that could be a friendship. That could, maybe marriage is the framework. We don't, we're all married here, so we're not against marriage. But how can we be set up to have healthy marriages? As non-religious you know, people. As non-religious people. Tim and Leah, my question is, have you guys been married for eight years and accomplished all the amazing things that you've accomplished as entrepreneurs and young professionals and healthy individuals. Has Christ been the center of this? No. <laughs> no, he has not. No. <laughs> what's, what's a little meme with like Bugs Bunny and it's like, no. <laughs> no. All right. So we're going to go through a fun exercise. We're going to wait. So you guys have obviously like your pillars and things that are important. We sure. have our pillars. But just for the listener and for us, we can make the adjustment. Why don't we brainstorm the top 10 like rules of marriage or like the 10 commandments of marriage? We'll brainstorm and do that. And then before we do that, one of the things I'd like to say is that 
we're going to brainstorm and talk about things and we're going to share things as couples. But a lot of this information comes from TED Talks, podcasts. A lot of this information comes experience. from experience. experience, having conversations with other people. Like we talked about asking Doug and Kelly questions sometimes. Sometimes it comes from seeing people that we don't want to emulate. Yes. Often, actually. Um, yeah, we've read a lot of books about dating, at least Francie and I have. We've listened to different mm-hmm. relationship podcasts. So if anyone's like, where are they getting this information? That It's coming from all of that. Brene Brown? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, She's Which, my girl. Yeah, Brene Brown is awesome. Okay, well, let's, let's, So anyways, yes, yeah, so let's, let's brainstorm. Uh, what would you, are we going to just start like at well, the top? Well, I'll tell you what, no, we got to brainstorm because we got to vote as a couple. This Where's is, the whiteboard? Yeah, this is, yeah, I'm a whiteboard on this piece of paper, but... Okay, what is, do y'all have any go-to principles? I want to call them the Ten Commandments to be a little cheesy, but but principles. Ten principles of marriage, of a healthy marriage. I've never tried to break it down individually. I haven't either. This is going to be like very much on on the spot because we've. I think we know things. Well, that's why we're brainstorming. Well, well, I would throw these out. And the first, I have two in mind to launch it off. But the first one that I think we all at this table, and this is, I would throw it out there for marriage, but it's probably a principle of just life in general, but is the golden rule, which is treat others the way you want to be treated. And that is such a paramount thing, even within your own marriage for the healthiness of it. It's like you get what you put in, in a lot of instances, so treating that your partner in a way in which you would want to be reciprocated, that's a huge one. Yeah. So that what I don't know how do y'all feel about that one? Yeah. It's cheesy because that is such a well-known, sure. but it is very Sometimes important. Sometimes it works. I think something that I push myself really hard to do, and I ask Francie to not do, and vice versa, is we try really hard to not take each other for granted. Oh, yeah. All the little things that you just get used to and it becomes routine, but, and you don't appreciate it as much. You go, man, this, like, this person puts in a lot of work towards me. So, yeah. Trying to stay away from that complacency. It's like complacency is the enemy for me. We talk about that, babe, in, in things too, is being able to recognize the role that you fulfill and then also knowing that's not something exclusively only to you. Yeah. It's, oh, thanks for doing the dishes, but also know that, hey, I also still have to do the dishes. Yeah. It's this idea that I recognize that my business wouldn't run as smooth as it does without Tim calling all of the photos and not taking that for granted is. Yeah. Uh, uh, that kind of goes into being realistic. Be realistic about what's going on in the relationship and don't over blow things out of proportion. Always try and look at things pragmatically. I feel like that's something we do in our relationship on a regular basis. Yeah. One of the things that Francie and I say about that is don't look at things worse than they are. Don't make things better than they are. Just make things as they are. And so we try really hard to not let ourselves sugarcoat or get too worried about something. We try really hard to really see what's really in front of us. Oh, I've thought of one that's a principle of our marriage that is like worthy of being put down is, and again, I've never tried to articulate it as a principle to be written down, but it's our concept that you and I have always come back around to is that our relationship is our relationship and how we don't let outside influences come in on it too much. It's like we keep our own our, it's our boundaries. Boundaries, yeah. Because it's I've at the end of the day, it's you and me. 
We will ask for advice. We've been to counseling. Yes. Like professional, like therapy counseling. We have counseled with people, like friends and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, there is a boundary around our marriage that outside influences can't come in and stir the pot. Yeah. We can bring in, hey, I was talking to Francie about... I have like, people in my life like, who it, tried to sow doubt about Isaac. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. You don't do that. That's what I'm talking about is yeah. the not letting outside voices into your inner circle. And we had to really, we had to really develop that early on, I feel like, with me getting letters and phone calls and stuff about... Tim and my relationship. So we had to early on like set like, hey, nobody gets to have an opinion about our relationship outside of us. Yeah. Solid. Good stuff. What do you think, babe? I have a few, but I, I feel like you're taking over. I think as life goes, experiences happen. You need to recognize that you're individual people with individual capacities to handle specific situations. Something that Isaac has given me is like, and I wrote this in my vows, complete permission to be myself. But that does not just pertain to the self that I am right now. When I'm 35, 40, 50, I'm going to be a different person. Yeah. And so that rule has to stick with you for the entirety of your marriage because something we've said is you have to give each other room to grow in the relationship and then have enough room to fall back in love with that. Well, new and person. watch each other hit landmines yeah. that it's it's necessary for me to go through this yeah. and they can't protect you. And that's where I'll loop back talking about like thinking of our marriage as Tim, me, and then our marriage is its own entity. Yeah. And so we're constantly encourage each other to be our own person to develop and to grow as individuals, but then always coming back to talking about the marriage and what adjust we're different today than we were a year ago. What adjustments do we have to make in our marriage so that it still stays healthy, safe, and full of love? It sounds like this principle would be s- continuing to support individual growth yeah. in each other. I like and that, that. And to not be afraid of it yeah. yes. for fear of leaving each other. Right. Yeah, I, you don't want your partner to stagnate. Because you're like, I want them to stay right there because I know I'm safe. They're still going to love me if they're right there. Whereas if I encourage them and they grow and they're better and they're in their career or they're doing good, there could be challenges to that affection. But so many benefits too. But so many benefits too. You've got to embrace. Well, and then something going back to what you were saying. So if you're growing as individuals, which is a must, is you also want to come together to grow the relationship. So how would you like... What would be a good way of saying that? It's almost, hey, I'm growing as a person, you're growing as a person, but guess what? We've been really focused on, you've been focused on you, I've been focused on me, but our relationship's a little bit weak. How, so let's come together. Let oh. me dedicate time. I've Let me got dedicate it. energy. Let me, de- you know, let's build well, it's our- like bringing new tools to this, the table. This third chord that you're talking mm-hmm. about. That's okay. So in, if you're going to be good at anything in life, there is like the repetition and I was- Think about it in like toning a muscle. Okay. You're not going to be instantly good at something. You have to work and tone at it. And you could, referring to our individual growth and supporting that, you could grow apart. The way that you compensate that is you prioritize and you work on your marriage around all of those other things. So for me, like us having prioritized date nights and time together and shared interests, and we have shared goals. 
So you can at the same time embrace and encourage your partner to grow as an individual and still be growing together and doing things together as well. But it's just that none of, neither one of those are, should be all encompassing. I think something you said that was really good was having goals together. Yeah, we have individual goals. There's the business goals, but then yep. we have in, we have goals as a couple, and those are like we do them together. They're not a separate entity. They're not. They're like together with purpose. Some things that we've developed over the last year, I would say, is this idea of having a relationship board meeting once a week with the way our schedules are all the time. You know, there's no one day or one week that is the same for me and my business. And that means that there's no one week that's the same for our relationship. So having set aside time where, okay, where are we priority time for ourselves? Where are we priority time for our marriage? And how does that flow this week? Because it's not going to be the same as last week. So really prioritizing like that. And then also being able to talk about our, as weird as it sounds, at least for us, being able to talk about our marriage and our relationship in a dispassionate way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Early on, like the marriage was like, it's like a baby and I would get super emotional if we talked, had to talk through anything or work through problems because it always seemed like, oh, this is just going to be the end of the relationship at this point. Not that we're going through hard things like that, but there was fear. There was always fear associated. And I think in the last couple years, something that we've developed being able to do is when we reach that state of not having enough grace individually for the Mm -hmm. marriage and having to like do a little reset and then come back and talk about whatever happened, being able to do it dispassionately and like almost clinically. Okay. This is more factually like that has given me a sense of like security in our marriage that I didn't have early on because I can voice things that might be really difficult to hear, but we're taking them as information on how to, Grow our marriage. It doesn't mean we're going to break up over it. There's a safe place. There's a safe place for discourse. I think that's a principle of marriage that's really good. You should have a safe place to discuss the hard stuff yeah. without having to worry the whole time you're there. Is he going to leave? He or she going to leave me? Because we're discussing the hard stuff. No, that's part of the commitment. Is well, you're you going have to know it. how to handle conflict. Yep. Which brings me to the next principle that has to be on this list. Keep your sense of humor. Seriously, guys. <laughs> yeah. If you the moment you start getting too serious, that real problems start manifesting. It's not to say you won't have a serious moment, but man, you gotta keep that in perspective. Zip ties. <laughs> oh God. <clears throat> Leah and I's worst fight was over zip ties. <laughs> <laughs> the worst it's, ones do seem to be over something so ridiculous, and then it it all comes out. <laughs> yes, it's a trigger point, flashpoint. Yeah, it was a core memory was unlocked during that. So have we hit ten well, yet? What else? Uh, the, we've mentioned nothing about communication. That's such a huge. Oh problem. God, yeah. How to communicate for us? I think listening to understand yes. is huge. Yeah, and then we sometimes it's appropriate to have a debate. And oh, go sure. back and forth and argue about what is the best case scenario. And there's having a conversation. And so for us, it's, are we talking about this? Cause we're on a team. Are we debating? Do you want to debate? Cause I'll switch into a different gear or do you yes. want to have a conversation about this? And it, 
Because they're both healthy. So it's be clear about what your intent is in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Are you arguing for arguing or are we debating this so that we can try and make a good decision? Yeah. And I feel like you and I have reached points it's like, like that. debate versus discussion. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Where do we go from there? I think it's, hard. it's super basic, but <laughs> anyone out there who's, what do I replace God with? Tony Robbins. And the only That's reason. Subjective. Or Brene Brown. <laughs> like, like <laughs> if you're going to be a part of a cult, the Tony Robbins cult. <laughs> But the reason I say that is because Isaac and I use the language we learned from those seminars and all that crap to help navigate our conversations. When we have issues in our stuff, it usually comes down to certainty versus uncertainty. And I crave certainty. It's like on the number one of my list. And he, I don't know what your number one was. I think it was like variety or something. And those constantly come into conflict. And so I guess for me, a principle or a good thing to have in your marriage is having language you can both refer to so that it you can talk about your stuff dispassionately and find tools like that, like the erotic blueprint to talk about sex. Yeah. The Tony Robbins like human values to talk about your values and if you feel like they're being met. The BDSM test to figure out that stuff, like find resources that create language that you can both find common ground. Yeah, because miscommunication, we're talking about the positive, but just in my life experience watching other people's relationship, and I'm sure you guys can feel the same way, is that miscommunication or a complete lack of communication is probably one of the chief roots of problems in relationships. In just overall, taking religion and belief completely out of the factor, that is probably one of the chief core problems. Oh, of course. Something interesting that we were talking about, and we've said it in different ways, but I think something that's important is to never stop learning about yourself and learning yeah. about the other person. That's what those personality tests are. And us all taking the BDSM test is you're learning about yourself and you're learning about that other person. And that does take time and effort and energy. And But I think it's so important. Yeah, it's good yeah. stuff. This is going to be a fascinating yeah. listen for... We've, I hope. We've <laughs> Did not, we get to 10? Oh, yeah. We, we've gotten to 10-ish. Yeah, we've got... We're going to... We need to clarify it. Yeah. One of the things that Francie and I say a lot, too, is don't put me in a box. Just because I used to be like that a year ago doesn't mean that's who I am now. Yeah. I really think... That allows for a lot of personal growth in the conversation then, too. Yeah. All right. So, we yeah, we do. Going back to what we were saying, I just want to see if we want to be there, but... All right, so here's the theme, boundaries, and being very selective about who you let in, right? So what, it, what number one could be like setting boundaries and... Being selective about the advice you take. Yeah. Yes. And be and setting boundaries and, and we can, you can always make this more articulate, but be, what did you say? Selective about the advice you take. Yeah. I like the way you worded that, Francie. Because not everybody gets permission to speak into your relationship. Everybody thinks, especially when you're like first getting married, oh, let me give you my unsolicited marriage of advice. I was like, I didn't solicit for it, so maybe don't. Which maybe yeah. we might be doing that right now. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, wait, we're going to sell a book. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> this will be a blog post. What, what this is, for our listeners, because we're not so much talking about deconversion today, but what this is, I feel like this would be a resource for anybody who is no, no longer a believer 
who's maybe looking at the prospect of marriage and we're couples that have are non-religious that have navigated a good bit of it. Lee and I have at least, and you guys have been together for a long time and now you're just going into it. So just hearing how people of our disposition being secular, being worldly, non-believers, this is how we tackle and we look at our problems. And I think that would be informative for anybody that listens to this and helpful and encouraging for them as they go in to navigate this stuff when there's so much of this bullshit on the side. Here's all of us. We ignore the bullshit, but we take the good stuff and we do our own thing. One of the main questions I've been asked with this process is, if you don't have God, then what do you have? I have my intellect. Yeah, and a lot of times, yeah, exactly. Me. This. <laughs> My um, lovely wife. Uh, all right, so we all agree with that. Setting boundaries and being selective about the advice you take. Are we, do we agree with that? Yeah, put it on yes. there. All right. The next one, which I think the next one, I'm like clumping them together, is we talked about permission to be myself, space, and like having space to grow. We talked about like the three chords being there. So I think all those things come together, giving, right? Like, it's like giving space and encouragement to your partner. To be themselves. Yeah. Like, like, give, like, no, giving giving space to grow and encouragement to grow within the should we call it marriage. The, should we call it the marriage trinity? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's some, like marriage is something you create and do. It's not a concept. Like... Oh, I get what you're saying. Like marriage, it's a, it's a growing like, creation. Growth, yeah. is, growth marriage, as individuals. <clears throat> marriage isn't something that you have; it's something that you do. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which is a little bit different than what we were just talking about, but I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. Do y'all like that marriage? I do. Marriage isn't something that you have; it's something so that you do. do. And obviously, listeners will know the context of. Yeah, because they heard us ramble about. Yeah, it. <laughs> they heard our <laughs> tangents, so they our know. Our tangents. It's all good. I think to loop back to what Francie was saying is like to leave space to grow as individuals. Yes. Yes. Because I know that's been really important for Tim and I in our marriage because I'm not the same person I was nine years ago when we met. And a lot of the experts say the same thing. A lot of marriage experts. And then we talked about, so we talked about working on the relationship itself, like Mm -hmm. investing time, having goals, being realistic yeah, so let's talk about that, like managing expectations. Yeah, This is a huge part of it, too. We always talk about managing expectations because when you have expectations and people don't match them, that's a hard place to be. But we also want to have standards. And so just because you go, oh, don't have false expectations. Okay, I won't, like, I won't expect Isaac to do this or Francie to do this, or but I do have standards. Yeah. No. So Next one. <clears throat> just going on it. So we... Like they're not the same as expectations. Yeah, I think it's important to have standards and articulate your standards mm-hmm. in a marriage. Do you yeah. think so? Establish standards. Establish standards. It, establish standards and common goals. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Because standards and goals are a little bit different, and I think you need both. Yeah. Tim and I have a standard that we're going to take care of our bodies and our health, but we have the goal that we're going to pay off $10,000 in debt in two months. Yeah. And those things are very important. You can have individual standards and goals, but like your marriage is almost like a third entity that you're nurturing. Yeah. So establish standards. I think maybe you don't make it more complicated. Just be realistic. Yeah. that I would put that. Right? But to me, it's, I know it sounds simplistic, 
But just that statement of be realistic about stuff, that is a broad subject in of itself. And I actually think that it's really great because if you're coming out of religion, Mm -hmm. especially if you're coming out of purity culture, and I have a friend that I feel like falls in this category, you have this unrealistic expectation of your partner and your marriage that you're fed. And if it doesn't meet that, there's something wrong with you. Versus if my marriage is not giving me the financial goals that I want, what can we do to fix that and achieve that? So, Well, if you tie 10% of your money, God will bless you. Yeah, no. (laughs) Sorry. So I do think having this idea of be realistic is Mm -hmm. there's not going to be a perfect person. I'm like, Tim is my person, but there could be another person that meets... Yeah. A lot of the same things. Or meets different needs. Or meets different needs in a slightly different way, but they're still my person. Yeah. Or still a person, however that you want to say that. So this idea of be realistic is so yeah, we, so, good. so number one, we have setting boundaries and be selective about the advice you take. Number two, marriage is not something that you have. It is something that you do. So mm-hmm. that investment, that work. Number three, leave space to grow as individuals. Mm. Number four is establish standards and common goals. I like it. Number five is be realistic. And then I just added the quote, don't make things better than they are. Don't make things worse than they are. Just let things be as they are. Yes. Because I think that helps. Okay. So then moving on to number six, something that we talked about was listening. Communication. Yeah, listening, communication. And I'd like to get a little specific on the communication side. Recognize the difference between a discussion and a debate. That comes into communication, but I'm sure we can word it in a way that like encompasses that. We've done so good so far. Yeah, Bring resources into your communication, for me, has been the biggest and most helpful thing in navigating a relationship. I've never had a boyfriend. Isaac's my first boyfriend. Same Z, girl. Woo! So Isaac's not so my first boy. Lucky. Isaac's not my first wow. boyfriend. But Tim, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if Tim didn't lock it up that way back when. I might have gone for the girl lock it up. You lock it up. There, <laughs> there is no way I could navigate the problems that we've encountered together in a as a couple without resources like the Myers Briggs personality test or the erotic blueprint test or Tony Robbins. Even just language. things like watch your TV, watch your transformational language. You always do this. You there's a lot of tools around that. And too. so it's like for communication, you have to recognize that there are tools and you need to practically apply those tools. What, what about prioritizing? Prioritize communication. Yeah. Communication, you could just write communication as the principle because there are so many different facets of it that we could get into. But it has to be on the commandments and the principles is that we're working at communication. And it's going to be a constant thing. Yeah, because under communication, but under prioritizing communication, uh, there's this discussion, the debate, there's listening, there's studying, there's learning. Do we just put communication as God? <laughs> no. I'm joking. All right. Yeah. Let's, just move to let's, the next let's one. Put a pin in that one. But Everybody communi- gets what we're talking about. Communication has to be a principle. Yeah. Oh, like, of course. You can't get anywhere. And however you want to go. About however it. you right. want to go about Do it. Do we like to quote, listen to understand, not to listen to respond? 
we talked about having, okay, this is huge. I do know it goes under communication, but creating a safe space is, I think, such a huge thing. I think you need that more than just in communication. Oh, I need yeah. a safe space to well, perform the, sexually. The, yeah. So that just as a principle uh, right there on top is creating safe, creating a safe place for each other and the relationship. Yeah, yeah. for self-expression and expression as yeah, because, a relationship. Because what a lot of people don't understand is just because you're married and you have a house together, that is not a safe space. Yeah. No. You like you have to it's it, it has to be almost like a ritual. Like you have to create that safe space. It's also creating a safe space of, hey, in this conversation, nothing that you're going to say is gonna be offensive. It's not gonna be like Or like, make you yeah. want to leave. Yeah, yeah. Like we we're really good about uh, the other thing I'll say this to Francie is that sometimes I would think out, I had this time frame where I would talk about a lot of things and think and talk out loud. And then I stopped and she was like, you're not talking to me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm done talking to you until I know what I want to do. Because what had happened by accident was that there wasn't a safe space for me to process and go through and fumble. So it was like, I need to, sometimes in our conversations, I'm like, hey, just so you know, in this conversation, I'm not married to anything I'm saying. Like, I'm not, like, committed to it. This isn't how I feel. I'm trying to work it. I'm trying yeah, to work yeah. through this. You kind of, like, you just talk for talking's sake, and you're like, <laughs> I. how many times have you and I, Leah, we've gotten into stuff. I don't even know where I'm at. I don't even know how to articulate how I'm feeling right now. So, so it's like, how did we get... To, how did we get here? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You have to break I, uh, it down. In my vows, I, I said that I'd promise and do my best to let him have bad days without fear or judgment. Because when he would have bad really days, I started, to, I started to really have anxiety and make his fear and bad day my fear and bad day. Yeah. And then he's, fuck, this is no longer about me and my problems. It's about both of us having problems now. Yeah. So I just need you to listen and not be afraid. We do have don't lose your humor. Don't lose your sense of humor. Yeah. that And that's self-explanatory. Just leave that there. <laughs> yeah. And then so that, that can be number nine. And then we said create safe spaces. You forgot my number, the top one, the first one I right. said, which was treat the other person the way you want to be treated. Yeah. I'll, I'll loop back around to it. I know we're putting a number in the last spot, but I think that's really important. The golden rule. And then I, I think... I man, there's just so much. It's good. One of the things that I'm the most scared of is getting in a rut. Like ooh, ruts, I think are super bad. If like, you can execute all like obviously you're going to not be able to execute them all perfectly. That's mm -hmm. unrealistic. But I think a lot of this gives you like the ability to not end up in a rut. Yeah, it's preventative. I think so, it's very preventative. Well, those the, everything that we just encapsulated works in in two different forms it works to prevent you from getting into the rut but it also provides you the tools for getting out of a rut what a, all of those things work together that way what about this because we've talked about it in a lot of different ways is there's don't lose your sense of humor and then there's don't be scared of conflict oh yeah that that goes with the yeah, making a safe place because if you have a safe place then you're not going to be afraid of conflict you can add that as subtext to the safe place is don't be scared of conflict. Is don't, you know, because when you have a safe place, you're not scared of the conflict nearly yeah. as much. You might still be a little scared, but. Okay, so we wow. have 
Number one, setting boundaries, being selective about the advice you take. Number two, marriage is not something that you have, it's something you do. Number three, leave space to grow as individuals. Number four is establish standards and common goals. Number five is be realistic. Don't make things better than they are, worse than they are, just as they are. Then number six is prioritize communication. Number seven is create safe spaces. Part of that is don't be scared of conflict. Number eight is the golden rule. Number nine is don't lose your sense of humor. And number 10 mm-hmm. is the last one that we need. Number 10, the man is the spiritual household of the family. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we like break oh. tradition and oh. just do top nine? Oh, you! Oh no, my wife's got it. Everybody, no. have more sex. <laughs> have, have more, more sex. Wow. <laughs> right. I think it's great. Or you and you could subtext or, that or, with expand your sexuality. Yeah, yeah. Like I think that's a huge like, part. Go to of the it. sex store and with your friends and electrocute and each other. <laughs> We're airing that on the podcast <laughs> that we all went to the sex shop and flogged Isaac <laughs> with an electrical flogger. <laughs> it happened, right. people. I think have more sex and grow sexually. How about we do grow sexually? You have to. Yeah. You have to grow sexually. Thanks. That sex chick. Little shout Ooh, out. To little you. shout out to that sex chick. Yeah. yeah. All right. I like it. The last one is grow sexually. Yep. All right, so I think we're going to end this podcast, but I think this was a great podcast because we just showed how a group of Satan worshipers could come together (laughs) to try to navigate this thing called life to the best of our ability. Yep. Or do we have a different call out at the end? That's a little extreme for me. (laughs) All right. Yes. Okay, so now this is... This has been an awesome podcast because we have shown people be able to come together to really invest and work on the topic of marriage. We should do this in 10 years to see if we're all still together. I was just about to say, this is like a testament. You guys just got married. Let's do another one in 10 yeah. years. All right. That's let's, a long time. Let's, listen, this was... So, do y'all... All right. I'm going to have to erase, erase because I want Leah doesn't like my double statement. Okay. I don't. Just <laughs> double worshiper. I want. Can we like end how we normally end? Like what we want. Oh yeah. yeah, I'm such an idiot. Okay, I, I, we're gonna we're gonna end this podcast because Francie knows how it goes. <laughs> All right, round Keep table. Us on track, round table. How? What do you hope this podcast does for people? I thought of the, but I don't. Tim go first. Tim go first. All right. What would you like this podcast to do for people? I'll kick it off. And I would say that marriage is something that as you grow up and you go from young adult to adult, you get a lot of different associations given to it, especially if you grow up religious. You have all of these expectations, connotations, inferences, and you don't know anything about it until you actually get into it. And you, it's important. And I hope the podcast helps people realize that there are so much that is just misrepresented or it's just not accurate. I want people to listen to this and think about things in a practical manner. Whenever you start fiddling around with life goals, feelings, emotions, and all of these things that are involved in a, a, a in an intimate relationship, you're playing with fire. 
You can get hurt. It's not easy all the time. And the best thing you can do to protect yourself in those situations, be realistic about it and think it through. And it's not to say that there aren't some principles, as we found while we talked today, within religion that can't be beneficial in a marriage. But there are certainly some things in there that can plant the seeds of problems that you could otherwise avoid if you would just practice some of the principles that we're throwing around today that we find have been very helpful for us. So I hope people find it informative, maybe a little bit funny, because this is an odd podcast where we just, we've been up here on vacation and we're like, we need something. And this was just an interesting conversation that came up was like, what's it like to be, what's it like to be married couples and not be religious? There's no God. There's no praying by all means we should fall apart, but we don't. What do you think, Leah? What do you hope it does for people? I hope that it gives people encouragement inside of their relationship that your relationship doesn't have to be just your relationship. You are also an individual within your relationship and you and your partner can grow as individuals and still have a healthy marriage uh, or a healthy partnership. If you're not into the legal contract of marriage, like just a healthy partnership, because I just don't think it's talked about at least I didn't hear it as as much that like you don't have to lose yourself to the overall relationship and that growth in your marriage and your relationship is not easy but it's worth it it's worth having not being the same people that we were 8 years ago when we got married is good. It's exciting. <laughs> it makes things more more fun. And I just think that marriage in itself, like, oh, I'm married to this person. And then you get in that rut or the same all and really taking the time to grow as individuals will grow your marriage. What I want people to know is that you are enough without God, <laughs> that your relationship is enough and holistic without God. And that ultimately, like at the end, when you lay down and take your last breath, you had somebody with you who witnessed your life and witnessed your growth. And you don't need God witnessing your growth. You you need the people in your life, your husband or your wife, to witness your growth and to focus on them and their growth and reflect back to each other's growth. And that God is never going he might do that for you if you have a personal relationship with him. And I don't want to disrespect that, but your partner is, is God in a sense, he's reflecting back to your life experience. And so I think that is magical enough and beautiful enough. So don't take each other for granted. And yeah. Jeez. Follow that up, Isaac. (laughs) I'll just take it from a different perspective. The thing I hope people get out of this podcast is to seek smart information and to seek smart advice. Like these things that we're talking about didn't just come out of our head magically. No, of course not. It came from counseling, friends. It came from books. Brene Brown, I think, is absolutely phenomenal, but she identifies as a Christian. There's some stuff from T.D. Jakes that I've read about relationships that I think solid. He's obviously like a huge bishop in Dallas. So I'm not – it's not about – nixing any type of religious information, but it's about finding really solid information and strategies and language around this. 
And with that being said, the Bible is a really weak, I would even say dangerous and harmful resource. Mm-hmm. Doesn't give you the tools that you need. No. And so I just, I hope that it really helps people go, you know what? They all sat around and thought about this, came up with some things that I think are absolutely solid. I could do a version of this myself. Yeah. I'm going to go find some smart resources. Yeah. And I really encourage you to do that. That's what I hope. Cool. That's awesome. All right. We end it. Ow, ow. Wow, wow, wow. Wait. Wait. I think this one is the best one yet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty special. It's It's pretty special. special. It's at least special to me. So thank you guys. Awesome. So we'll, we'll, okay, so we're going to do this podcast again in 10 years to see where everyone's at. (laughs) We'll see what growing sexually means in 10 years. We'll see if Tim's Will still- Isaac do butt stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listener, I got a real case of blushing going on right now. <laughs> Will we lose our sense of humor? Oh, Who knows? Hopefully not. God, I really hope we all make it. Wouldn't it be terrible if we're like going through an ugly yeah. divorce? Oh, God. Oh, Would you ooh. stop chasing us? Shit, man. Stop that. <laughs> I just can't right. that Everybody have a good one. It wouldn't happen because I have the deconversion podcast top 10 reasons or no wait hold on wait that won't happen because if you buy our top 10 rules for <laughs> staying married at the deconversion podcast.com oh my no, god you will be all of that you'll out. be saved eternally your marriage yes. will be forever if you eternal. want your marriage to be <laughs> <laughs> for only 10.99 you'll have the best sex of your life <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of the Deconversion Podcast. We're so happy you joined us. Please like, share, and subscribe, and we'll see you on the next episode.